Welcome to our Failure Bites Summer Takeout Series. I'm your host, Kristen Brennison. Why do we talk about failure and not success? Well, here at Failure Bites, we see them as going hand in hand. It is very rare that you have success without a few failures along the way. On the flip side, what we learn through our failures can help us become successful in the future. To help us explore how failure impacts us and our brains, we are serving up special episodes on your brain and failure, featuring NIU's very own Dr. Amanda Durek from the Department of Psychology. In part one of our series, Dr. Durek talks about the psychology of motivation, mindset, and failure. My name is Amanda Durek, and I have been in the psychology department at Northern Illinois University for 14 years. My training is in social psychology, but I've also done work with developmental psychologists and cognitive psychologists. Although my training is in social psychology, I bridge those areas, and all of them come together with my interest in motivation in achievement situations. Achievement situations, more generally, are situations where people care about doing well. And in my research and in general, what is true about achievement situations is that it impacts both the really, there's potential for really high positive experiences in achievement situations, but there's also the potential for really negative emotional reactions in achievement situations. And so at the high end, there is the possibility for developing interest and becoming deeply involved and immersed and learning and becoming a better person in the process. And at the low end, there's the potential for self-doubt and anxiety and worry and self-criticism. And so these situations end up being a really fascinating context to study motivation because the question then is, you know, under what conditions are people more or less willing to continue to engage in a, in a given task where they care about doing well? The idea behind mindset is that there are a couple of different perspectives people can have about ability. And abilities can either, and this is, this is the research by Carol Dweck and her colleagues, which started in the 1980s, really. So she's been working on these ideas for several decades now. And the idea behind mindset is that there are a couple of ways of thinking about ability. On one hand, you can have a fixed mindset about ability, which basically means that abilities don't really change. You either have what it takes in a given domain or you don't. And if you have what it takes, you're among the charmed group that can succeed extensively and presumably with very little failure, if any. On the other side, there's a growth mindset, which is the idea that abilities change over time in response to practice and in, in response to making changes and in response to failure and feedback and learning from experiences where you identify ways to improve. So the basic idea is that a fixed belief is that there is sort of an innate ability related to a particular domain, um, and that competence is something you either have or you don't, but it really doesn't change. In contrast, when people have a growth mindset, they realize that abilities can change a lot and grow along with practice and effort and response to failure experiences. Related to the idea of fixed versus growth mindset, one of the things that we know 
is that negative emotional self-beliefs are often associated with internal beliefs about yourself that are stable, they don't change, internal, they're from the self, and they're global, they impact many things. And so, and this comes from more the depression literature than the, the achievement motivation literature, but a fixed mindset in the context of failure would suggest that it's a stable belief that's negative and internal. It sets up a person to have a negative self-belief. So they can't overcome the failure as easily because they believe that they will just always be a failure. Correct. There's very little to do. A person with a fixed belief in the context of a failure has very few options. With a fixed belief about ability in a given achievement context, the option that's probably most self-preserving is just never to enter those kinds of situations again. It's certainly the case that when humans encounter a conflict, so and I mean a conflict in terms of what they expect versus the feedback that they get from the environment. When there's a conflict between what they expect and the feedback they get, there's reason to think about it. There's suggestion from research on brain imaging that generally when our expectations are met, it's actually a negative experience. Um, but at the same time, these are important experiences, right? We don't get real far without our brains. And so there are brain pathways whereby we detect signals in our environment that give us information that we are making an error. And those errors, you know, the signals from the different parts of our brain that come together to say there's an error in the, in the environment, that you're making an error, that's, that's really the moment to sort of identify what's currently going on to think about how that could be changed. Failure experiences at a more general level are often worth thinking about if people have the capacity to give that space to really consider, to reflect, and to, and to be self-aware of what they did and what they could have done differently. Our brains have an amazing capacity to change over time. And, and this is at multiple levels. So, you know, at one level, you can think about the neurotransmitters. And so in a single learning experience, a person might be able to make changes in their brain just from the neurotransmitters that might be used or active at a given learning moment. And so you might, you know, if we were practicing a list of words, we might be able to learn that list of words, at least in the short term, in a few minutes. But that's really not at a real deep level because it's only a few minutes of practice. What we know is that if people continue to practice over time, not only do we get sort of neurotransmitter changes, but we get more structural changes or more connections. So we're talking about the neurons in our brain communicate with each other to bring about capacities as well as awareness and all of the things that we do. And so the more we exercise various pathways related to learning new things and the more connections that we make across different areas of our brain and different skills, the more connections there's going to be and the richer the associations will be, the faster those pathways will fire, essentially. And so failure is part of that process because there wouldn't be any need to change anything if there was never failure, <laughs> right? And so if we always lived in the same environment and there was no change, our brains really, actually our brains would be really bored. There's, you know, the research on sensory deprivation is that we really need stimulation. But another way of thinking about stimulation is just a changing environment. And another way of thinking about a changing environment are opportunities and situations where you care about doing a good job, some of which are going to be success experiences and some of which are going to be failure experiences. And, and having that full range of experiences is going to be important for having brain stimulation that can allow for healthy development. Even a person who is very 
focused on turning failures into successes. A question is, initially, do they still feel a negative reaction? One possibility is that failure always hurts initially. Achievement situations inherently are about developing or demonstrating competence. And what most people have experienced is that competence doesn't just happen. It happens from repeated exposure to the same kinds of tasks over time and practice. And and with that comes a lot of failure. So in the long run, if you decide to try the task again and get back into the water, you're in a good position to learn that practice really improves performance and leads to successes. And But it's slow. And especially for tasks that are really difficult, the progress is not going to be quick. And so in the long run, one can see and take perspective on how failure may have helped them identify things to work on so that they could improve. But initially, it hurts. And it requires active work for most people to identify how a failure experience can be perceived as an opportunity for growth. This failure doesn't mean that I'm going to be bad at this forever. What I know is that in this context, I got negative feedback about my performance. I can help buffer myself in my emotional reaction by thinking about this is one particular context. I had not prepared as much as I could have, or I have a lot to learn. This is my first time doing it. There's a lot of other reasons that I should think about in the context of my own failure in a given situation. Thinking about how that failure is not necessarily an internal, global, and stable factor. So there's a lot of situational variables. It's not stable in the sense that I could I could do things differently the next time. And it's not global. It's not me as a person. It's this one situation. And so that would be one perspective on how people can adjust to experiences of failure. Having a growth mindset helps us see that failures, mistakes, and setbacks are just part of the human experience, and they help us grow. By thinking and reflecting on failure experiences, we become better equipped to learn and grow. Failure, exercise for the brain. I'm your host, Kristen Brennison. Thank you for listening to our special summer episode of Failure Bites. Stay tuned for our next episode with Dr. Amanda Durek. Failure Bites will return with more stories in the fall. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. This podcast was produced by NIU STEAM at Northern Illinois University. Your future, our focus.